For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Habs and Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded Season 4, Episode 31. And by this rate, our esteemed colleague and, and, and guest today on the pod, Matt Drake, will have passed us somewhere around what? Um, playoff time next season with his bottom six minutes, which is something fantastic. And I think you, if you don't really follow Matt already, please do. Matt, thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. And obviously, I'm outnumbered today because there are two dads that are that are here on the pod and, and newly minted dad, Jared Book. How are you doing? Yes, I, I'm good. I'm good. I, I'm not I'm not too tired. Believe it or not. She, she's starting to sleep a little better. No, that's Shauna's job, right? No, 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 no. Maybe sleeping better now. It's all good. Great to hear that. I mean, let's take a deep dive into to one one of these pods that is not Matt's bottom six minutes. Um, but looking at where the team is now, I said before the season that it will be a season of struggles, partly because Shea Weber was gone and partly when, when the light turned on to um, Kerry Price and... Uh, I thought it was going to be an injury that he wasn't going to be ready from it. the injury he suffered uh, during the playoffs and, and uh, had surgery on, if I remember correctly, during the summer. But it turned out to, to something much, much worse. And 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 uh, um, part of, of what you uh, a rehab stint and uh, obviously losing conditioning, but but more importantly, staying true to himself and, and putting his health first. Um, I thought maybe they would fight at best for that fourth, fifth spot. But right now, Montreal is at the bottom of the Atlantic division and barely scraping better than Arizona. Yeah, I, I, I think there was always a chance that this team would be good or even better than good. The problem is, is that that was needing Tyler Toffoli to play like he did last season. Josh Anderson to take a step forward. Jonathan Drouin to take a step forward. Christian Dvorak to take a step forward. Nick Suzuki to take a step forward. Cole Caulfield to take a step forward. You see where I'm going with this. The problem is they didn't even take step forwards. They took step backwards <laughs> in most cases. And, and, and that's just not a recipe for any success. And, you know, there was always a chance this team could be better than people expected it to be, but not with 
everything that's gone on in the last, you know, 18 games or so. No, Matt, I mean, like you, you've spoken about this repeatedly on the bottom six minutes. Um, what is your thoughts about this situation that Montreal has found themselves in? Uh, what are we, 18 games into the season? It's almost a quarter into the season. Yeah, I mean, from from my standpoint, I think anybody who listens to me has has heard what I think, right? Um, like you mentioned the injuries, right? I, I think it's a lot more than just uh, having certain players like Carey Price and Shea Weber not available. I think, uh, number one, I think Dominique Charme is, is out of his depth as a coach. I, I don't see the ability to make, uh, to, to, to line match whatsoever from him. I think it was a lot easier for him last year when he had Philippe Dano and he could just send him out against the best players on the other team. And then the rest of his lineup would just, they would do reasonably well against the, whatever was left, right? They don't have that anymore. And, um, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the season, um, me and Jared, and Jared had a really good point where he said, if this team wins games, they're going to be winning games like, you know, five to three, five to four. And we finally did see one of those wins the other night, a five to three win over the Predators. But for the most part, they've struggled mightily to actually generate offense, which if anything was going to be the strength of this team. Whereas, you know, defense was always going to be a question mark having lost Shea Weber and not having Carey Price, but we thought they were going to be able to score and they clearly cannot, which I think has a lot to do um, again with the coaching. But uh, unfortunately the general manager just handed him a three-year contract extension. So he's probably not going to be getting rid of the coach anytime soon uh, because that would be tantamount to admitting a grave error having given him that extension uh, at the very end of last season. So, you know, they're, they're kind of stuck where they are. Right. And um, until, and unless the goals start rolling in until, and unless they can somehow replicate that second period they had against the Nashville, Nashville predators and do it over the course of an entire game against other teams I think they're going to keep losing and we're, yeah, we, we might be competing with Arizona for that last spot in the league. Although I think Arizona is going to be pretty hard to top uh, in that category. Mark Bergevin is kind of in a place where he couldn't win. Right. Like if he, after a Stanley Cup final, if he says, you know what, we're not going to bring back Dominic Ducharme, people would have thought he was crazy back then too. So I don't necessarily blame Mark Bergevin for bringing Dominic Ducharme back, even though he's shown signs of, of struggle this season. But at the same time, yeah, I, there, there just needs to be an adjustment somewhere. And, and you know, we're, we're almost 20 games into the season and we're, we're still waiting for that adjustment, I think. Looking at it, we, we have the big signings from, from this summer. Uh, Christian Dvorak, Mike Hoffman, um, what are we, Samu Nico is probably not one of the big ones, but David Savard definitely is. Chris Wiedemann is, is, is uh, one that we were hearing very good stuff from from the KHL. Obviously, I was kind of sure that Matthias Norlinder would not fit into the uh, to the NHL lineup already. And we saw that two games, two nights ago when they played Nash because he's, was it three or four times he turned the puck over? And one was a really, really dangerous play, very similar to what he does in Frölunda. So, so he wasn't ready as well. Um, There also seems to be the issue with Jeff Petrie. Is he playing injured? Is he just tired from 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 a deep playoff run and hasn't healed up properly and or mentally or 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 physically? But the the gambles that Mark Bergevin took this summer on these players, they haven't really panned out any of them. I think Dvorak is starting to come around, so that's a good sign for them. Like we're starting to see a little bit more production out of him. And he clearly has some chemistry with uh, Josh Anderson and uh, Jonathan Drouin. So there's there's some good news there at the very least. But for the rest of it, I mean, David Savard, 
that hasn't worked out whatsoever. I mean, I think by, by my count, I think he's had one good game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. And I think that was, you know, if you look at what's Marc Bergevin's biggest error, it was that he didn't properly plan for Shea Weber not being available, right? It seems like he went out and got David Savard. And I will give him this, right? The contract that he gave David Savard uh, with, within the context of what other defensemen around the league were getting, in terms of contracts, it's not that bad of a contract. Even if he's not playing very well, it's not that bad of a contract. It's just that, you know, your job was out there to go and replace Shea Weber, and you didn't. You, you very didn't. Um, you, you hoped that David Savard was going to be able to carry some of it. You hoped that Matthias Norlander was going to come over and somehow magically be ready to play in the NHL, um, even though, as you mentioned, he already had some defensive miscues dating back to Forlunda that he probably needed to stay in Sweden and work on. And then uh, Jeff Petrie, who I agree, I think he's playing hurt. Um, I think he's playing hurt. And I think he's also trying to play more of a Shea Weber style of game that isn't conducive to success for him. So like just the the inability to actually replace the players that they lost in the lineup, particularly Shea Weber, it, it's hurting them. And, you know, Joel Edmondson's getting close to coming back, it seems. So maybe that helps. But uh, I think that thinking Joel Edmondson is going to come in and save this season, it, it'd be... Uh, it'd be a tall task for him, to say the least. Edmondson coming back, is that the end of Matthias Norlander? I think it could so. be, yeah. I think so, yeah. I think you brought it up, right? He's got some defensive miscues. He had a couple of giveaways against the Predators. I, I think he needs more time to work on his game in Sweden, right? Um, I, I think he needed that at the beginning of this year, too. I think they brought him over again. I think that was, they were hoping that he was just going to be ready. And he's not. So I think, yeah, if Edmondson comes back, that might be time to send Matthias Norlander back to Sweden. Yeah, I think that the problem is, is that, he, you know, he's trying to replace, you know, name brand products with the, the, the bargain bin. You know, it's like... It's or like by committee, you're, really. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, it's like your TV breaks and you're going to Dollarama to try and replace it. You know, it's it's just not not conducive to, to working. And, you know, Christian Dvorak, I want to talk about him for a second because... He, I think he's being slammed on way too hard for what he was being asked to do. You know, he was brought in realistically as a replacement or upgrade on Jesperi Kotkaniemi. But what he's being asked to do is replace Jesperi Kotkaniemi, improve on Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Oh, and also you're trying to replace Philip Deneau. And I don't care. I don't even think Sidney Crosby would be able to do that, right? Like, it, it, it's just, it's just not conducive to to success he's he's in a position to to fail from the start and I, and I think that yes he is getting better because he's being put into a role where he's going to be realistically in a position to succeed and, and I think that's the major thing and, and same thing with David Savard and Dominic Ducharme has mentioned it he's like you know I have to play six defensemen but not all of like everyone's playing up a, a level right like Jeff Petrie is trying to replace Joel Edmondson and Shea Weber. David Savard is trying to replace Joel Edmondson and Shea Weber. They, they, it's it just it's not only trying to replace one guy. It's like they're, they're trying to fit, you know, a, a square peg into a, a round, multiple round holes, and it's just not not working. And and I think that's the major thing is that it's it's not just Shea Weber because Shea Weber, let's face it, he wasn't the Shea Weber we know, in in especially in the last year or two, even in the playoffs. I think Joel Edmondson was was a better defenseman than Shea Weber in, in those in those in that playoff run, but missing both of them 
leaves you with Jeff Petrie and not much else on the right side. And, and I think that that's a, a lot of what is behind Jeff Petrie's struggles as well. Plus, he's not 100%. And it's just no one's in a position to succeed. Even even Jake Allen, Seven Montembeau, no, you can name go down the list. Not many players are put in positions to succeed. And and you know it's not like Shea Weber overnight became retired, right? Like he had three months to to try and figure out a plan. It's not like he broke in the playoff run. He was obviously broken before. Like this injury should not be new to anybody. You know, and you mentioned Carey Price on top. Yes, no one was expecting what ended up happening. But if your season and your team depends on 36-year-old Shea Weber and 34-year-old Carey Price, you have bigger issues than just those two players if they're not available. It's really like the house of cards is falling down on Mark Bergman right now. Is is and and the fact that uh, there is this um, they're in the doldrums really when you look at it because. S- Sooner or later, you have to make the decision. Will you sign Mark Bergevin to an extension and let him run this team further? Or do you bring someone else in? Because right now he's a lame duck. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's my main criticism and my main thrust for, for saying, why don't we you know, bring somebody new in at this point? Because I was looking at the interview that he gave to Eric Engels the other day. You know, credit to Eric Engels, number one, he actually took him to task a little bit on on the whole Chicago Blackhawks issue. But I'll put that to the side for a second and just look at some of the comments that he made about the Montreal Canadiens. He said he's not going to tank this season. He said his exact words were tanking is insane. Um, We're not going to intentionally lose games to try to improve our draft position. And he also said he's not going to make trades just to acquire draft picks because he doesn't necessarily think that the draft is predictable enough for him to have success with those draft picks. So there's one thing. And then he also said, I'm not going to mortgage the future uh, to try and improve the team right now. I agree with that. Don't mortgage the future to improve a lost cause for a team that's a basement dweller right now. But then I look at the other hand and I go, okay, so you, you don't want to improve the team right now, but you also don't want to stack up draft picks because you don't believe in the predictability of the draft. So what is your direction then? I don't see one. So to me, you sound like somebody who's gone at the end of the year one way or another, whether Molson kicks you out or whether you just go on your own and go try to get the Anaheim job or something, right? Because you're saying on one hand, I'm not going to stack draft picks. On the other hand, I'm not going to make moves to improve the team right now. So you're going to do nothing is essentially what I'm hearing from that interview. Now, maybe that's him posturing because we know he likes to you know, put things out to the media and he puts things out strategically in order to try and improve his, I guess, bargaining position when he's talking to other teams, he's done that in the past. And maybe that's what he's doing right now. But what I'm hearing is I'm not going in one direction to improve the team. I'm also not going in the other direction to try and improve the team through the draft. So what do you not believe in your scouting staff? If you don't think the draft is predictable enough, do you not believe in the scouting staff that you are responsible for putting in their place that you don't think that you're going to be able to have some success. If you stack some additional draft picks for a draft, by the way, that's going to be at home in Montreal. So for, for me, that's where I see the, the lame duck issue coming in, where I'm like, you don't seem to have a vision for this team. So I, I don't know if you even want to be back. And for me as a fan, I, I don't want you to be back. So I'd rather they make that change now. And then whoever comes in gets to start making a strategy of how are we going to move forward and get out of the base. Jared, you agree with this? I, yes and no. I, I do think that a decision has to be made on Mark Bergevin. And a lot of people in my Twitter mentions have, have pointed out injuries and say, oh, you know, it's, it's not Mark Bergman's fault that everyone is injured. 
And to that, I say, well, it's kind of his job to replace those players. But even if you do believe that it's not Mark Bergevin's fault, and even if you want to play that argument, the thing that I see is then given the extension, if you believe in him that much. So that's, that's one side of it. But to what Matt said, the key in that interview to me is intentionally losing games, right? No one's going to intentionally lose games. But having said that, when you send Cole Caulfield down and call up Michael Pozzetta, you're not really thinking about the 21-22 Montreal Canadiens. So, and, and, and to further that point, I, I think when he, I, not that I'm, you know, a, a Bergevin savant or know exactly what he's thinking, but in terms of trading everyone to get draft picks, I think he's looking at guys like Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, you know, guys who are multiple years left on their contracts, things like that, and blowing the whole thing up. But when I look at guys like, you know, Ben Sherratt and, and expiring contracts, even guys like, you know, Cedric Paquette, Matthew Perot near the end of the season. Lekonen I, I think is going to be one of them that is going to be looked Lekonen, at. I mean, he, he's a, is he a restricted free agent at the end of the year? Or unrestricted? Yeah. Uh, he's a restricted. Um, yes. So you're trading yeah, so, him to a team that really would want him and that could probably yeah. increase his value. Well, you're looking at Lars Eller all over again in that case, I think. Uh, you know, he's going to win a Stanley Cup shortly after being traded, uh, if you're asking me. But but, but I, I think, yeah, but guys like that, guys where you know, you're not tr blowing the whole thing up, but it's all about asset management. Like Ben Sherratt, if you can get a first-round pick for Ben Sherratt, I don't care if it's the worst draft in NHL history, you take that first-round pick for Ben Sherratt. So I, I think that there's there's definitely um, points where I agree with Matt, but, but I also you know, tend to read between the lines a little bit more when it comes to what Mark Bergevin says. Because like you said, Matt, He's not in a position to tell, put all his cards out on the table and be like, this is exactly what I'm going to do, fellow general managers. Um, you know, and, and also, if he does change his mind down the road, you know, he has that on the record to be like, hey, well, you said that you're not going to do this, uh, which multiple people do with, with P.K. Subban, right? When he said, I am not trading P.K. Subban, and, you know, a couple of weeks later. So I, I think that he's also hedging his bets a little bit. But, yeah, I, I think that a decision has to be made on Mark Bergevin one way or the other when you look at uh when, when you look at this basically because if you like the job he's doing then fine sign him to an extension and if you don't like the job he's doing then you know fire him so i, I think that it, it, there needs to be a decision made sooner rather than later i'm a little bit confused with the, the statement saying that he doesn't believe in the draft um all American sports are, are based on the draft, more or less. And unless you're a, a new team coming into the league, the draft is where you build your team. Uh, so, so for me, sitting there and saying that I don't believe in the draft, I can understand that it's difficult to predict where a 17-year-old will be in two, three, four years, even, even further down the line. I get that. But that is his main job, really, because... No team is built on free agency and trades only. You gotta have your own hit your own draft picks as well. And, and sometimes he's done that. We know that for, for a fact. I mean, like Jake Evans, obviously, but Gallagher, um, obviously they they but that Gallagher wasn't his, right? No, Gallagher was no his. Gallagher was it was, a, just it, was before it was Timmons. Him. It was Trevor Timmons, but not Bergevin. Lekonen was 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 Bergevin. Uh if and and you know you got you got kind of a few. Obviously, you traded for Suzuki, but you got Caulfield. Uh, 
there are others coming up that, that we know was going to be good. Gula must have been on the cusp of making the team when they then, then realized that it's probably better for him to, to, to play in NCAA. The, oh, no, in, in, um, in CHL. Uh, is it WHF? Yeah. And, and you know, to, 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 so, so they have hit with draft picks, at least from what it looks like. Uh, but to sit there and say, no, I don't believe in the draft. To me, that's a little bit, really? I think that's because he doesn't want to trade guys that are known commodities like Defoli, Anderson, even a guy like Jonathan Joy. Guys where are core pieces of this team. Um, I think that's where he's going with that. I, 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 he obviously believes in draft picks. If you look at his last few years, you know that's what he's been collecting more than anything else. So, uh, yeah, I think that it, it's it, maybe he didn't say his words, uh, didn't use his words properly or, or I don't know exactly, but I think what he means is I'm not going to trade guys like Tyler Defoley and, you know, Brendan Gallagher, Josh Anderson, who have multiple years left on their contracts. Jeff Petrie is another example, uh, Joel Edmondson, and, and collect draft picks just for the sake of collecting draft picks. I, and I think that's where, that's what tanking that, you know, some people think of tanking is trading everyone on your roster and collecting draft picks. Yeah, Arizona is doing that. But but I, or Buffalo as well, I guess to a certain extent. But I, I don't think that's what you know Montreal sees in their in their future. So I think that's what he means by that. Because you know if he obviously believes in the draft, he's been collecting picks like like I I think they probably have the most picks out of any team in the league the last few years. My, my issue there is like his his exact quote wasn't I don't believe in the draft. It was the draft is is unpredictable, right? I'm pulling it up real quick so I can tell you exactly what he said, because he's saying tanking is insane. Like, I understand that 100 percent. You're not going to intentionally lose hockey games. Um, but his exact quote was that he's not going to manage the team to get the best draft picks. The draft is unpredictable. You can look through past drafts where the fir first pick overall is not as good as the fourth pick overall. So. If I just take that statement right there, it's like, would you so would you legitimately if I came to you and said, hey, I'll give you the. The fourth pick for your first pick, would you make that trade? The point here is, is like, what do you mean you're not going to manage the team to get the best draft picks? It's like you you have in the past, you've been stacking draft picks in other drafts. But then in, in a lot of those drafts, you know, they end up punting a lot of those picks and they just trade them into future years. So for me, it's like, why aren't you managing to get the best possible draft picks? How else are you going to get this team out of the basement? Because for me, the, my main criticism of him is in 10 years as the general manager, the mark of this team has been over-reliance on Carey Price and an inability to score goals, right? He has not addressed that. This team still heavily relies on Carey Price. Do they go on that run last year without Carey Price? I don't think so. I think they might have done okay in the playoffs without Carey Price uh, because they, they had some scoring. They probably lose to Toronto in, uh, without Carey Price, though. So maybe they do okay. Maybe they, they win a couple of games against Toronto. You're right. But do they go to the Stanley Cup Finals without Carey Price? My answer is absolutely not, right? So he still, in the course of 10 years, has not built a team that can win without Carey Price backstopping them. So for, for me, if you're going to sit there and say the draft is unpredictable, you know, I'm not going to manage this team to get the best possible draft picks. I don't understand that as an argument because then what are you doing in that case to actually make this team competitive uh, to a point where they don't need Carey Price to stand on his head to win them games? Because I'm not seeing it. Well, I, I think doing nothing is doing exactly that. Though. I, I think doing nothing is pretty much saying, listen, let's just let the cars pull their mate and take our chances in the lottery. 
I, I think that you know, I, I think that tanking itself and collecting draft picks for the sake of collecting draft picks, I agree with Mark Bergevin. It, it's not predictable enough. Like you can trade Tyler Toffoli for for three or four picks, and there's no guarantee that any one of them will come even close to what Tyler Toffoli brings you right now. So, in a certain sense, I, I agree, and that's where you know reset versus rebuild comes into play, right? Like it, it's all related to that. But but I think that the Montreal Canadiens are on a crossroads where Shea Weber is not coming back, Carey Price. There, there's no guarantee what he's going to be when he comes back, or it, even if he comes back. You know, there, there's lots of uncertainty there. Even you know, put aside all of the the mental aspects, just physically, you know, you can't rely on him for 82 games anymore. You, you couldn't last year when Jake Allen played more games than him. And so I think that the day that you know Mark Bergevin was trying very hard to make this team competitive for when Shea Weber and Carey Price were still of the team. And that window, I think, is closed completely. And, and I think the best chance of doing that was getting, you know, three games away, three wins away against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I, I definitely think that this is a, a year and an offseason coming up where it's a perfect time to kind of change the direction of this team. And the only question now is, is who's going to do it, whether it's Mark Berger or somebody else. Because I, I don't think that this team is that far away. It really isn't. You, you look at Nick Suzuki is maybe a year or two away from being a true number one center. Cole Caulfield is probably a year or two away from being a number one winger. You have Tyler Toffoli, Josh Anderson, Jonathan Joy, Christian Dvorak. You know, Jake Evans is taking a step forward. Alexander Romanov is taking steps forward. Norlinder is not that far away. You know, he may not be ready now, but he's not that far away. Caden Gooley, not that far away. And I, I just feel like they just need a little a little push over the edge and whether that's a top five or top 10 pick this year whether that's multiple first round picks this year I, I don't think that they're that far away and, and it's I just think that they need to make a decision on Mark Bergeron one way or the other like it's it just means that's where you need to go because sending Cole Caulfield down for six AHL games and then calling up up the day of a game there's no plan there's no plan and there's no future vision and I think that's the major issue like, let, if you want to sign Mark Bergeron to an extension, do it. Go for it. At least it's better than what they're in right now. Yeah, the lame duck situation is, is really crazy. And also, I don't think you really tank in what it's only Arizona that really tanks preseason. <laughs> and the next team that tanks is going to tank somewhere in January when before before the yeah. trade deadline. And, and that's where we're going to see where Mark Bergeron envisions this team, if he's still around in January. Uh, <laughs> and if, but even if you finish last, what is it, 14.5% of winning the lottery? 25. Like, is, right. is it 25, really? Okay. Yeah, I think well, that. I mean, to keep your first round pick. Oh, I, don't first that, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's 25. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's still three and four chance you lose the first overall pick anyway, even if you try and finish last. So I, I, I think you just have to play the cards where they may. And if you finish bottom five, you finish bottom five. The, the worst thing for this team would be finishing 11 from the bottom, right? Because then he gives that pick to Arizona anyway. So you, you might as well, you might as well be bad if you're going to be bad this year. Indeed, it's it's either it's either this year or next year that you have to be bad because next year is going to be really crazy as well. And we saw one of them uh, two two weekends ago or one weekend ago, uh, ten days ago, uh, Matvey Mishkov uh, doing. A Michigan or Sorrow or a Cross, whatever you're going to call it, <laughs> goal in his second international game for Russia. 
as the youngest player to ever put on a, a Russia jersey. That is insane. And we know that there are other players that are obviously going to come up there as well. Uh, Connor Bedard, that, that's his job. Bedard, team, yeah, right? obviously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think, obviously, since Mishkov is, is going the sky route with, with either um, MHL or, or, or KHL and the national team, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward already to see him in the under-20s because it's, he's going to be crazy good and he's going to be able to play there three years. Uh, and the, the only thing that speaks against Mishkov going first is obviously uh, Badard himself, but also the fact that Mishkov has signed a contract until I think it's 25, 26 season in, in, <laughs> in, with, with Ska, who were obviously very, very smart to sign him that long. Let's be honest about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're looking, you're looking like Kaprizov, right? No, no yeah, but on the other hand, you're going to get a player that goes straight into your first line and, and not see maybe what's going on with Capo and Lafreniere in, in, in Rangers. Yeah, that's the next two drafts are supposedly excellent. Like, even if you look at the, the 2022 draft, the one that's coming up, right? If you don't get the first overall pick and you don't get Shane Wright, then you would immediately drop to right now the projected number two pick is Matthew Savoy, who also looks like a very good player, a very Habs type player, a little bit undersized, fast player. Uh, and then in, in 2023, you got the same thing, right? You got Bedard, you got Mitchkov, uh, you got Zach Benson, um, who currently in the WHL has 22 points in 15 games. He's not even eligible until next year for the draft. Like it's two really good drafts in a row. So this is why I don't understand the concept of, you know, wanting to maybe manage to try and get the better draft picks. Right. Um, I like how I you just, just stopped with before the European prospects, because then it's like Finland, uh, Slovakia, um, Czech Republic. True. And, True. and Russians, Russians as well. So, you know, like, I mean, 20, like, 2023, they have, uh, three of your countrymen in the top 10 right now. I'm looking at the list. They have three different guys that are projected to go top 10, Leo Carlson, Theo Lindstein, and Otto Stenberg. Yeah. Stenberg is Otto Stenberg, yeah. who happens to be from Ferlunda as well. I've never heard of the Habs. Team. <laughs> Habs like to draft from there. Don't they? Yeah. The, the point being, um, sorry if I focus too much on my Canadian brethren. Um, <laughs> you have two very good drafts coming up. Yeah. Right. Most scouts, most people who follow junior hockey around the world agree that this is two very strong drafts. Why are we not, you know, managing to try and get better picks in those drafts? I understand. Right. I, I agree. Purposely losing games just to try and get to last place instead of being second last doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. What's the difference? Um, the, the, the draft lottery odds uh, just, I pulled it up while you guys were talking about it. Last place, you have 16.6% chance. Second last place, you have 12.10 and third last place, you have 10.3. Right now, the Habs would be, what, third last place? So you'd have 10.3. So what, are, are we really going to try to lose more games just to get a, an extra 6% uh, on, on the odds? I, I don't think that's necessarily going to do anything. So I, I do agree with that. But what I don't agree with is saying I won't manage to try and get better draft picks. I think, obviously, you, you should be, especially in these next two seasons where you have two very strong drafts, two very strong prospect pools that are going to be coming up. I mean, you could be setting the team up for, for a lot of future success. And let's face it. Again, like I said, he's relied on Carey Price his entire tenure, right? Carey Price has been the focal point of this team. And without him, this team would have been basement dwellers pretty much every single season that Mark Bergevin was at the helm. If you're trading for first-round picks deadline, you're not trading for top 10 picks, right? You're trading for picks that are going to be 20, 25, 
30 even. Yeah, at the best, it's going to be 18 more or less or, or 16, right? Right. Unless it's a team like, unless a team like, you know, maybe the Islanders who are on the bubble. Like, like basically, if you're doing that, you're, you're hoping that the team you trade your player for misses the playoffs and wins the lottery, <laughs> right? Like, it, it, it's, you know, that's basically what you're, you're trying to do. You know, maybe what you should do is what you do with Chicago and trade for their picks two, three down years down the road. But like, you're not going to be good in two or three years. I'm going to trade for your picks, uh, you know, and, and something like that. But I, I think that, you know, at the same time, these teams don't want to trade those picks. And if they do, they're lottery protected anyway. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a catch 22 where you, you don't want to tell your team to purposely lose, you know, you don't want to, that, that does a bad thing for development, right. You, you know, tell next thing, you know, just try a little bit less, like, no, it's, that's all, that's all you do. No, no team actively does that. What you do do is, is you let your team just be bad, right? Like, but, and, and I think that, you know, there's going to be, but we don't, we don't want to see that yeah, kind of game. Or was it Buffalo no, versus no, no. Arizona a couple of years <laughs> ago? That was atrocious because they put out no, two teams, teams that, that <laughs> really just wasn't good and who could put the yeah. worst team up and, and win the game by losing more or less or the GMs did. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't want to go to an extreme. That's why the lottery is, is, you know, there's not much difference in, in terms of positioning. Where, where it really makes a difference is if you finish, you know, fifth instead of 10th or, you know, something like that, where, yeah, you know, you don't want to try and improve too much to, to barely miss the playoffs. But, yeah, I think that, that the key right now is just don't do anything drastic. Trade your expiring contracts. You know, don't, don't try and, and, and trade guys like Defoli and Anderson yet. You know, those are more off-season trades anyway if you trade a guy with term. So I think that, you know, just hold the course, let the guys develop. And look, the talent is going to win games sometimes. Nick Suzuki is going to go on a, a stretch and win some games. Cole Caulfield, same thing. You know, uh, the best thing for these, this Canadiens team, regardless of wins and losses, is Nick Suzuki taking a step forward, Cole Caulfield taking a step forward, Jake Evans taking a step forward, Alexander Romanov taking a step forward. And so far, all four of those, we have absolutely failing as well. You know, if you can start scoring some goals, you know, that, that's huge for this team. That's more important than finishing even fifth or, or sixth in, in the draft and, and, and picking that. Because one player is not going to make a difference. Even if they get Shane right, it means absolutely nothing if Nick Suzuki isn't good, if Cole Caulfield isn't good, if Romanov isn't good, Norland or Gouli, you know, Paling, all those guys. Yeah, I, I, again, it's just when I look at the interview and I see – I, I won't mortgage the future. It's like, yeah, I agree with that. But I also, I, the draft is unpredictable. I'm like, all right, well, what are we doing? Like as a fan, I'm just sitting here wondering what's the path to respectability. Cause right now they're not respectable, right? Right now they're terrible. Let's face it. I would definitely move on from uh, Ben Sherratt, for example. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Jeff Petrie too. And I'm like, what are, what are we doing here? Let's, let's move him before we tank all of his value, right? Before we run his value into the ground. Why are, why are we holding on to this? If we're, if, if it's true that he's hurt, then I don't understand. Like I, I, I do get that hockey players in, in general, you know, they're, they're prone to toughing it out, right? They, they want to play and they will probably downplay their own injuries just to be able to play. Right. But as an organization, you got to be looking at that and going, well, you know what, where are we in the standings right now? Um, we, we did this, what, last year, right? Shea Weber was clearly playing hurt through the playoffs and just stomaching it. But you were in the playoffs. You were fighting for a Stanley Cup. 
what are you fighting for right now? I mean, to to not be as bad as Arizona, is that what we're fighting for right now? Then that, that's, that's not worth you risking your health, Jeff. Like I, somebody has got to go to him and be like, hey, listen, man, we're we're, we're going to put you in the press box for a few games um, where you could come come to the optional skates. You know, if you're if you're feeling good, we can come we can work it out, stretch you out a little bit. You can take some shots, uh, you know, but we're not going to play you because there's there's no need at this point for us to be risking your the rest of your career and your, and your health on on this. And it, it really does look like he's hurt. Like there's there's some he, he seems to be hesitating on plays. He doesn't jump into the rush like he normally would. It's either they've neutered him and they've said, stop doing all the things that made you good in the first place or he's playing hurt. You've been listening to Absent Minded with Matt Drake and Jared Book, and myself, Patrick Bexel. Uh, the next big tournament for any Montreal fan coming up is obviously the under-20s. We're going to have that coverage here on Absent Minded. Be sure to follow Matt Drake over on Twitter. Uh, he has too few followers already. Uh, his bottom six minutes are great, so listen to that as well. There are a few days. We're playing Wednesday next time. It's Monday night now. So, uh, yeah. A couple of days to go. You have to suffice with this suffice with this uh, podcast. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for joining. And uh, stay safe out there. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.